Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, it was so short. Let's read it again. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And since you have to hear things three times before it actually makes sense, at least that's the way it always was. One more time, shall we? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the the truth and the power and the light and the life that are in your word. And I pray that those things will be manifested here today. I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would touch each person here and that the words that are spoken would be anointed, but even more importantly, that the ears that hear and the hearts that receive would be anointed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our theme for 2015 is going to be uh, living drenched. And if, you, uh, if you've been around here for any length of time or you know, seen some of our printed stuff and all, then you know that uh, live drenched is sort of a slogan that, that we have around here, sort of a, sort of a logo. And, and a couple of things occurred uh, uh, to me as, as I was considering where we would go this year. One of them is that some people might not have any idea what that that phrase means at all. Uh, in fact, depending upon, you know, depending upon uh, uh, how you feel about such things, the idea of walking around wet may not be appealing to some people when you get right down to it. But we're talking spiritually living drenched and we're talking about being wet rather than being dry. Uh, because dry spiritually is not a good thing. And, and the spirit is really the engine that drives, that drives our life. And the other thing that occurred to me is that just saying live drenched, uh, most people might go, how do you do that? You know, what, what makes that happen in a person's life? And so we're going we're gonna to have several mini-series that have the living drenched theme that touch on different areas of people's lives. But also this year, I've got, uh, I've got 10 or 12 testimonies lined up of people who are, going to be, um, who are going to be testifying what that means in their life and how they got there. Now, let's understand that nobody, nobody does the live drenched thing 365, 24-7. I mean, we all have our seasons because we're, we're, we're fallen people in a fallen world, even though the, we are redeemed and we are being transformed into the image of the one who isn't fallen. But, um, but some people don't even know that this is a goal. Some people don't even know that this is something that you're supposed to try to do. And so when the people share, and, and I'm going to be the, the first one here this morning, I'm not saying, so follow me, boys. I mean, you know, I've got it here. I'm just going to lay out for you what it means in my life, how, how it has been manifested in my life, how, how it seems to be manifested, and what works for you, what the Holy Spirit then nudges you towards doing, uh, that's a direction. That's something to go with. And first of all, in, in determining what it means, the passage of scripture that comes to mind for me is John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I think live drenched is another way of saying life to the full. But before we actually get there, I also want us to understand that you don't just get born in this world and just float along and do what, do what everybody does and find yourself with a full, rich life. 
That's not the way it happens because there's a thief out there. And the thief comes to steal. And he does. He steals from us. We're all born into this world with gifts. And, you know, some people may think, well, um, maybe not. You know, not everybody can sing. Not everybody can dance. Not everybody can, can run a 10-second, 100-meter yard dash. You know, and, uh, I don't know that I have gifts. Everybody is born with gifts. And I'm not talking about, you know, those kinds of talents. I'm talking about gifts that are universal to all of us. For one thing, when you're born into the world, you're born with youth. Most people are born young. (laughs) Benjamin Button was not real. And with youth comes energy. I've always heard um, through, well, I've always heard that the greatest thing is grandkids. And grandkids are wonderful, but they don't tell you that the greatest thing is you don't have to keep them. It's like having rent a kid, you know, for a while and you have some fun. And then when they get fussy or hungry or, you know, or messy, you, you, you turn them over to the ones who are responsible for them. Well, we have five right now, and counting, and uh, four of them are, are little girls. The oldest is eight, and they live in the same family, and it's fortunately uh, a ways away from us, but occasionally they, they do come to visit our house. Uh, now, we had, we had girls, we had two girls, but they weren't real close together age-wise, and one thing that I really didn't realize is that when you get a gaggle of little girls together. <laughs> they scream. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why people say, you scream like a girl. Because they, they you, and you get three of them together, they scream, they run through the house, they, they I, and you know, I don't know what it is about running through the house that is just a real kick for them. And people think, well, never mind. I, I, energy. And when I was a kid, you know, I remember people saying, where do they get all that much energy? And I was going, it's, I just got it, baby. You know, you got it, you got it. And kids have it. They have, you're born with it. And it gets stolen. Not only that, there's a sense of excitement that kids have. There was a time in my life when that was the most wonderful sight in the world. A carnival. We would have, uh, there, well, I guess the, we still have state fairs, don't we? Okay. You know, and they have cows and, and jam and uh, stuff like that, pigs. But for me, it was always the carnival. This is what I'm talking about, man. We got rides going on. We got the, we got the, the bearded lady. We got the frog boy. We got the, we got the um, uh, haunted house. Let's go. Yeah, let's go spend our whole time there. Uh, Margaret and I were talking this last year on Christmas Eve. We were talking about, or maybe it was Christmas Day, about what our favorite Christmas was. And, uh, and we both decided it was our first year in Zimbabwe. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One of them was, was we had a big old uh, container of stuff. Well, it wasn't a container. It was a crate of stuff that, that was nine months late in getting there because instead of sending it to Durban, South Africa, somehow it ended up in Dublin, Ireland. But 
but it arrived like the week before Christmas and it had all the kids' Christmas presents in it. So, I mean, that was pretty cool. But the, but the coolest thing about it was on Christmas Eve when Arwen and Isaac got up while we were in bed to go and look and see what they had. And Arwen got, now Arwen had had a Barbie doll and our, Margaret would not let her have a Ken because she didn't think that she was old enough for her dolls to date and, 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 have, and have boyfriends and stuff, I guess. Uh, but we were laying in bed and they went in there and, and, I, and I still can hear Arwen going, I got a kid! And, and us going, that's great, you know. Kids, oh, there's that, there's that excitement. And there's a thief out there who steals it from us. And we begin to lose it. So go through life. And then we're all born with a sense of wonder. It's, it's, it's just this thing that when you're... I mean, my, uh, my, our grandson is not really... Uh, he's, not a, he's not a squealer. He's, he's cool. But he's got this sense of wonder. Something worth looking at, he'll look at it. My favorite uh, poem was written in 1958 by a guy named Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and it's called I Am Waiting. And uh, he starts it out by saying, I am waiting for my case to come up, and I am waiting for a rebirth of wonder. And and it has several stanzas in it, I'm not going to read them all, but each stanza ends with with some repeat of that theme, I'm waiting for a rebirth of wonder. Uh, some of the other things that he's waiting for, I, I'm waiting for a rebirth of wonder, and I am waiting for the American eagle to really spread its wings and straighten up and fly right. And I am waiting for the age of anxiety to drop dead. I am waiting for the Salvation Army to take over. My favorite one, I am waiting for the meek to be blessed and inherit the earth. Without taxes. And I am perpetually awaiting a rebirth of wonder. And he, and he ends up by saying, and I am awaiting perpetually and forever a renaissance of wonder. And what he's actually waiting for is life to the full. And unfortunately, he doesn't know that you don't have to wait for it. It's already here. It's the, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what he came to give us. But we're so busy trying to make a life to the full that we can't receive it. Um, how many of you know who this is? I'm, I'm assuming if Emily's in here, she'll know who it is. Okay, the guy's name is Joshua Bell. And he is uh, the preeminent violinist on the planet right now and and has been for quite some time one of the greatest musicians of all time and some of you probably already know about this but it's worth pondering again I, he was actually he was I was listening to Prairie Home Companion yesterday and he was on it and made me remember this on January the 12th 2007 Joshua Bell went to a subway station in Washington DC and he uh and he put put his little bucket down and for 45 minutes, he played some of the most complicated violin virtuoso music that exists. Uh, six pieces by Johann Sebastian Bach. And he, uh, 
and he played it um, on a violin valued at three and a half million dollars. And during that 45 minutes, he, uh, he collected almost $30 in tips, uh, but nobody stopped. There's actually YouTube video of this. One guy stopped for about two minutes to listen, and then he looked at his watch and hurried off. And the only person who really made it a, a real concerted effort to stop was a, was a three-year-old boy whose mom finally drug him away. And the, only, and, and the majority of people who even slowed down were all children who stopped to look and listen, but they were all pushed on by their parents who had important things to do. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become like a little child, you miss the important stuff that's going on in life. I mean, this guy had just the night before played at the Lincoln Center to a sold out house that averaged over $100 a ticket for the seats. The thief steals and the things that he takes from us that 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 especially that sense of wonder once it comes into his possession it turns into dust and ashes the world system is nothing more than a giant ponzi scheme it it it, it takes from the new that are coming in and sucks the life out of them and and that's really all that it's got to offer and when when they're done unless there's something else new there is nothing else Jesus came to give us something called life to the full. And we tend to think that sometimes life to the full involves stuff. We think that life to the full means a full refrigerator. It means a full garage. It means a full storage unit. A house full of furniture. But it, it doesn't mean stuff at all. I'm not really a, a repeat after me guy. I mean, most of you know that if you've been here long. But repeat after me. Stuff doesn't satisfy. satisfy. Now turn to somebody who doesn't really know that and didn't really say it with conviction and and just give it to them. Stuff doesn't satisfy. Just telling you right now. Some believe that life to the full involves the absence of pain. Involves the absence of suffering. Really? Really? I don't understand how life to the full can be defined by the absence of something. And furthermore, if life to the full involves the absence of suffering and pain, then Jesus did not live life to the full. And I believe he did. Life to the full is a life of meaning. And don't confuse that with just a life of purpose Because it depends on what the purpose is and where it came from as to whether or not it's life to the full. Um, Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's in is the way of death. And so most of the time when we go after purpose, it's usually a purpose that seems right to us. Looks like this is a good idea. This is, this is really what I need to pursue. But when you get to the end of it, you discover that it's the end of that road is death. The only time that purpose can be a part of life to the full is 
when the purpose is from God. You say, well, you're saying that we shouldn't work. We should. No, no, you can, you can work. You can, you can work hard. But we really need to learn how to rest. Or we miss all the good stuff. A godly purpose is impossible without hum- humility because if we, if we don't have the humility, then we're, we're, gonna, we're only going to pursue the things that, that we know is right because we never got past being age 17. That was a good line. A life of meaning is a life of love. There are those whose lives were brief. Perhaps their scope was quite limited. But the love they brought into the world far greater and had far more impact than, than, than others who, who lived long and in the world's eyes perhaps accomplished much, but those accomplishments get forgotten quickly. I did two funerals this week and, and both of them were, were wonderful, godly ladies and both of them left a, 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 a godly legacy and both of them were, were older than me. Uh, and, you know, nobody got up. I mean, they, they did some cool things, but nobody got up and talked about, you know, how good they were at work. No, nobody got up and talked about all the things that they made. Everybody got up and talked about how you felt when you were in their presence. How, how they made you feel because of the love that they showed. So, what does uh, living drenched mean to me and and how did I get there well uh most of you if you've been here for a while you know a lot of my testimony because I've been here you know 20 something years and you uh you end up sharing most of your stuff but let me let me try and bring some I'll just bring in some pertinent things most of you know that I was a PK and what is a PK pastor's Pastor's kid sweetest people in the world uh (laughs) And uh, not only was I a PK, I was also a PGK, pastor's grandkid, yeah, or pastor's great kid, whichever way you want to you wanna say it. And, uh, and that meant two things. One thing it meant was that I, I learned, I heard the gospel really when I was very, very young, and I gave my life to Christ at the age of, at the age of six. Uh, Patrick last week and given his testimony was talking about being real young when he gave his life to the Lord and I, and I, you know, I don't know how old he was, but I got, I got six, you know, at this point in time, if somebody goes lower, that's great. But uh, I got six, you know, and sometimes people think, uh, you know, how can a six year old really understand what they're doing? What is there to understand? I don't want to go to heaven. I mean, I don't want to go to hell. I do want to go to heaven. See, the older you get, the more confused you get. But at six, I understood this plainly. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I would like to live forever. And you got a way to do that? Okay, I'm in. And I remember the, I remember the, the, the Sunday that it happened. I remember uh, going down front and kneeling at the altar. I remember my dad saying, well, now we didn't force Ronnie into any of this. And, and of course they didn't. You know, they just told me what the gospel was. I, I remember it. And I also discovered that God, God makes a bargain with a sincere six-year-old. And most six-year-olds are pretty sincere when it comes to Jesus. 
very sincere, and God locks in on that. And he directed my life, even when I wasn't paying attention and even when I didn't want him to. This is a little beyond six, and that was a point where I was probably not paying attention. And maybe didn't want him to. I don't know. Those aren't my grandparents, by the way. That was brother and sister Waddle. I'm sure they actually had real names. Uh, but brother and sister was the only thing that I ever knew them by. And then my, my parents are on the other side there. But, but God put his hand upon my life and, and began, to, uh, began to direct it. Uh, though I wasn't paying attention. I can look back now and go, wow, wow, there he was. There he was. There he was. So, you know, if you've got a, you got a six-year-old, if you've got a, little, a, a child who, who goes, I would like to give my life to Jesus. Yes, that's what you want him to do. The second thing that being a PK and a PGK meant was that I was expected to follow in the family business and become a pastor, which wasn't really something that appealed to me because to be very honest with you, the way that I'm wired, much of my life, whatever I was expected to do was exactly the opposite of what I wanted to do. If I'm expected to zig, I like to zag, you know, unless it's going to hurt somebody now just keep life interesting and at times I embraced the idea that maybe I was supposed to be a pastor but most of the time I fought it and I'm glad I did because very honestly if you can fight the call to be a pastor if you've got if you if you can do something else you need to do something else just really do so when I finally went into the ministry uh full-time went went as as a as a vocation I uh it wasn't because I was expected to. And it also uh, put me on a path that made me become a somewhat unusual pastor. God can use unusual people, which should be good news to everyone who attends Springhouse <laughs> Worship and Arts Center. <laughs> he can also use ordinary people. And most of us are ordinary, unusual people. I did fight and drift away from the Lord. And then when I was 25, I really turned my my life over to the Lord because I realized the Bible was true. You know, I was 25 and and I was just as as much of a sinner as I could possibly be. And nobody could talk to me because I'm a PK and a PGK and I know more than you do about what you're trying to talk about anyway. And uh, the only one who could get my attention was the Holy Spirit. And he finally did. And I finally realized... Oh my goodness, this is true. I'm either going to have to base my life on this. I'm going to have to walk away and base my life on a lie. And I, and I, I couldn't do that. So I had to. So I turned my life over to Jesus. And all I wanted to do was just follow him. All I wanted to do was just be close to him. And get married. And be gainfully employed and and go in the rapture so that I wouldn't have to die. But I really wanted to follow him and and the verse that just jumped out at me and got all over me and became really my life verse was the one we read. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Get those get the order of that correct. Get those priorities in line and it happens. And it doesn't mean that if you delight in the Lord, you'll be rewarded by getting the stuff that you want. 
I mean, does this even make any sense? That I delight in the Lord so much that he's going to give me things that will distract my attention from him. I don't think it does. I'm not saying that you won't, that you won't, that you won't get stuff. What I'm saying is God doesn't say, well, you've been a good boy this year, Ronnie. You know, you've been a good girl this year, Judy. You know, and so Santa God is going to bring you something good in your stocking because... Because you've been delighting in me. You may get a new car. You may get a big bonus. You may get a cow. Or, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting. A washing machine. Something. And those things may be blessings from the Lord. But if they are from him, they will truly be blessings. And they aren't always blessings. You know, sometimes I hear people say, Man, I got, the Lord gave me a new car. I said, he did. That's wonderful. Yeah, I could afford the payments. Wait a minute. You know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a car. If you can afford it, you, you should buy a car. And, and that does come from the Lord. It's good to think, well, he gave me the, the strength to, to earn this. But, you know, it, it probably wasn't from him if six months later they come back and go, man, this debt's killing me. I'm going to have to. It's kind of going... Blessings are not rewards. Blessings are grace. They are unmerited favor. The reward is God himself. He is the reward. He is the, those who diligently seek him, find him. He's the reward. Remember the prodigal son? And when he, when he came home and they threw the party and everything and, the, and the, the older brother came along and was ticked off and wouldn't go into the party, he said, you never gave me anything. You never gave me a, a, a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. I never got new shoes and a, a ring and, and a robe and everything. And what did the father say? He said, you have always been with me. Everything I have is yours. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When we delight in him, our tastes change. I was brought up on southern soul food, uh, which means that I ate a lot of fried chicken and anything else that you could cook until it was dead. (laughs) Truly dead. And uh, in fact, you know, when I say I was brought up on that, I mean that was it. You know, that and Snickers. And, uh, and I, I, I did not intentionally eat cheese until I was in college. Because, you see, I didn't understand that macaroni and cheese actually had cheese in it. And, and, uh, and the truth of the matter is, the macaroni and cheese I ate didn't actually have cheese in it. It had, uh, it had a cheese food of some sort. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I had a very, very limited palate. And I, I still don't have the broadest of palates, but I have a very limited palate. And then, uh, and then I met Margaret, and her dad had, had had a pizza business. And when I began to delight in Margaret, my taste began to change. And all of a sudden, I discovered Italian cuisine, and I dis- discovered, I would say Chinese cuisine, but it's American Chinese cuisine, which is so much better than real Chinese cuisine. I'm just telling you right now. 
But it wasn't because I just woke up one day and said, man, I think I'm hungry for some lasagna. You know, no, I began to delight in her and my taste changed. All of a sudden I wanted some of this stuff. And so the first year, which I didn't meet Margaret in that first year, but the first year all I wanted to do was serve and grow. I mean, just focus on him. I went to Bible studies uh, several times a week. We'd, we'd, we'd just study the Bible, read the Bible. I've mentioned to you before, sometimes it'd just be a group of us sitting around in the apartment going, let's all share our favorite psalm. And, you know, and it just put a hunger in me to go, man, I wish I had one. And, and I finally began to read the Psalms enough that I did have one. And now I got several of them. And I, and I joined the church choir and, you know, we weren't very good or anything, but we, but it was, it was great. It was great. You know, we, we'd sing these songs and wear these robes and hang out with Christian people singing Christian songs. And, and I'd go to Christian concerts and in those days you didn't have to have money to do that. You just, uh, you just would find a coffee house somewhere and there'd be somebody in there with a guitar and a bunch of people sitting on the floor. And, and I'd, I'd do that almost every week. And oh, oh the, the, uh, I, when I came to the Lord, I, there was a theater up in Nashville that I was involved in. And, and actually, uh, I was heavily involved in it. And on Friday nights, before I came to the Lord, on Friday nights when we get through the play, it's a pretty wicked place. But after I came to the Lord, uh, a, a couple of the other people came to the Lord as well. And so what we would do on Friday nights at midnight, we'd start having, we'd have communion and we would invite uh, our friends to come to midnight communion on Friday nights at, uh, at ensemble theater company. And it was, uh, it, it, it was just great. And then, uh, also I would change the sign out front of the church and, uh, on Mondays I didn't have to go until noon. And so Monday mornings I'd drive over to Hendersonville where I was going to church and I'd change the sign and and, and, and every week, just like clockwork. And I, I actually think that the pastor was glad when I left because he had to think of something new every week to put on that sign. Cause I was, I was just chomping at the bit. I just wanted to, I just wanted to be around God. And, and if he was hanging out at the church sign, then that's where I wanted to be. And then the second year after I gave my life to the Lord, that brought Margaret into my life. The beautiful girl on the rock. (laughs) And what a blessing from the Lord. It makes going through life with the right person. Going through life with somebody that, that is going to support you in the Lord and help you make right decisions and help you walk in the right way. Wow. Proverbs 31, most of you are familiar with it. Uh, A wife of noble character who can find, she's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. And, And that last verse there, verse 12, she brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. That's, uh, that's been my experience. With the, with the woman that God gave to me. You know, and some of you may be out there kind of thinking, well, why didn't God give me a woman like that? And it may have something to do with the fact that you never told her she was a woman like that. May have something to do with the fact that you don't tell her every day that you love her. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get into this a little bit later on. Uh, not today, but, but, in, but in a later series.
But in the midst of this great year, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've met the love of my life. I'm, I'm eating pizza. <laughs> Just swimming in the word, having a great time. In the midst of this, in the midst of this great year, I, uh, I, dis- I rediscovered the uh, call to full-time ministry. And so I applied to go to seminary, put my application in, sent it off. God's called me into full-time ministry. A month later, I get my rejection notice. And because uh, I, you know, I hadn't been walking with the Lord when I was in college. And, you know, you, do, you just don't want to see my transcript. That's all I got to say. At least they didn't want to see it. Uh, and let me just say, you know, seminary is great. If you're going to become a theologian, it's only somewhat helpful if you're going to be a pastor. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm not denigrating those who can parse Greek verbs, but once you've learned to parse Greek verbs, you can parse Greek verbs for people. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got anything to say about the Word of God. You know, uh, you may, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you do. I, I've, I've got a number of pastor friends who went to seminary, and, and, and to a person, they all say, the undergraduate degree is the one that, that really helps them as a, as a pastor uh, in the ministry. Uh, and, and I discovered that God had put me in the best major I could possibly have to become a pastor. When I was, and it wasn't, I wasn't even trying to follow him. But you see, he made a, we made a deal when I was six. I said, I'll give my life to you. He said, okay, I'll take it. And yeah, many times I tried to take it back. But... He wouldn't let me have it back. See? And so he, he, when I was a theater major, and here's, here's the thing. See, when I, really, when I began to delight myself in the Lord, then the Lord's work in my life began to work, go both ways, go forward and backward. Because you see, a theater major is not necessarily, wasn't necessarily a good idea when I wasn't walking with the Lord. In fact, it led me to some paths that were very dark paths. But when I turned my life over to the Lord, then he redeemed all of that and he began to turn it. And otherwise, the reason why I say it's one of the best majors, look, if you want to be a pastor, go to seminary. That's great. But when you go to undergraduate school, if you're going to go to seminary, don't be a Bible major. Be an English major. Be a history major. Be a sociology major. Be a a theater major. You know, be, be, be something where you learn how to tell a story and learn how to appreciate history and learn how to... And and with theater, what you do is you go through scripts and you're looking at them and you're especially looking at it from an actor's standpoint. You begin to understand the motives and the, and and the lives of people that you, that you've never, you're not going to meet any of those kind of people until you become a pastor and then you meet everybody. (laughs) But you begin to already understand them because you work that way. So I discovered that God had already done that. Well, with the door to full-time ministry seemingly closed, and i got to hurry along here, but I will, uh, I desired a job that would just support my family, allow me to be heavily involved in serving at church. Now, all the serving it doesn't need to be done in the church. In fact, most of it needs to be done outside the walls of the church. But that was where God had put my desire. That, that's what he had drawn, had drawn me to. Uh, and so I went to work for the Social Security Administration, uh, it um, doesn't look like that these days, but that's what it looked like in the, in the days that I did it. Only I was better looking than that guy who's up there. And, 
and in the meantime, I, I, we served, uh, I led worship, we worked in the nursery, we taught junior high Sunday school. There is a special place in heaven for people who teach junior high Sunday school, just letting you know. Uh, we worked with a youth group, I served as an elder, and I really wasn't a nine to five guy. I hate, sitting behind a desk eight, nine hours a day just isn't how I'm, I'm wired, but I was willing I was willing to put in my 30 years or 35 years or whatever, and then I'd retire and we'd go full-time on a mission field and, and, and live off the pension that I had. Uh, and the secret was, the reason why I was able to do that was Philippians 4.12. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And the secret of being content in any and every situation is this. Delight yourself in the Lord rather than in the situation that you're in. Because if you're delighting yourself in the situation, then you've already got a problem. But if you're, lighting, if you're delighting in the Lord, nothing can shake you. In the late summer of 1982, Bruce Coble asked if I'd be interested in being youth pastor at the Lord's Chapel. I said, yeah. Uh, he said, you want to pray about it? I said, no, I've, I know. Uh, I've known for five years now. Uh, and so I did that. And then in 1985, we moved to Zimbabwe for three years. Who saw that coming? It was, it was, it was, it was wonderful. And once again, there's always more. I mean, the, not only, it, I mean, it opened up contacts that the Lord has used a lot now. I mean, we've got uh, missionaries from this church over there right now. And a lot of the, uh, when Clopas comes and, and speaks to us. Um, but it also had a lot to do with this church because the church we were at the last two years, Northside Christian Church, was the best church I'd ever attended. I went, wow, this is the way a church ought to be. And it has a whole lot to do with modeling what, what, what Springhouse has become. In 1988, we came to Smyrna and I became a pastor. I'm the really good looking one there in the middle, uh, the young, really good looking one in the middle. And... Uh, once again, you know, it's always more. I mean, Smyrna was the last place we wanted to come, but God knew what was going to happen to this town. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful place for, for our family. Um, and it, it led to the unexpected blessing of, um, for, the, for the first 20 years, which was the last 20 years of my parents' life, that was also the time that we were the very closest of all. I mean, my dad was 72 when we came here. I didn't expect that I was going to spend 20 years close to my dad. I thought, I thought that, was way, that was gone and past. No, I mean, the, there it is. The Lord just brings it unexpected blessings. It, uh, it allowed Margaret to put into ministry, practice what she had trained for. Her major in college had been uh, Christian education, and she had just sort of laid that down. But when we came here, and uh, the Lord just said, here it is again. Re- reawoken it. It allowed us to work with people that God had intentionally woven into our lives over, over the decades, the Cobles, the Berries, the, the, the Hutchisons. And, and perhaps most unexpectedly was, uh, was the theater that was brought back into our lives. I mean, we didn't come here going, oh, let's, let's start a church so we can do a theater. Uh, in fact, that we'd laid that down in 1979. I had no idea that was coming back again. But you see, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he, he gives you things that you went, oh, really? Wow. I didn't even know that was possible for that to come back into my life. Over the next, uh, well, over the course of this year, 
others are going to share their story and i and i'm sure that that there'll be other keys to to living drenched brought to light but but the key for me and the one that the one that i would share with you and and urge you to go with is the verse that we read today this is this is this is how you live drenched you delight yourself in the lord and then he brings all of the rest of the stuff into place. And he doesn't always bring it into place the way you think he's going to. In fact, most of the time he rarely does because the ways that we think of are so boring anyway. And he rarely does it exactly the time we think it's going to happen. He does it at a better time than what we think. But he's faithful. And he's so wonderful. And whoever has him has everything. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to pray with people coming forward. And if you're here today and you need prayer, um, these brothers and sisters would, would love to pray with you. God is able. He is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for anything you've got, big or small. You know, sometimes we don't come because ah, it's just such a small thing. Right. So you're going to handle that yourself. Now, that's a way that seems right to a man. But it doesn't really work out. Sometimes it's so big. Well, I don't deserve this. Well, no, of course you don't deserve it. What's that got to do with anything? Uh, if you need prayer, you come. And if, uh, if you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. I mean, what's, the, what's there to not understand? I don't want to go to hell. I do want to go to heaven. I would like to never die. Well, there's a way to do that. Whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you don't need to come, then just just worship with us for a few moments. And create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to deal with those who do. Oh, to Jesus I surrender
can only receive that which is given to him from above. Anything that's not from the Lord, you don't get to keep. Anything that is from the Lord, you get to give away. Because he's got more. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life to the full, may he give you the anointing to have the power and the wisdom to delight yourself in those things that lead to him and to avoid those things that lead to death and may you show forth the love of our savior through jesus christ our lord amen